0: This is a Think Live Be production. Okay, we're recording.
1: Okay, thanks for letting me know. Mm -hmm. Before I say something I shouldn't. (laughs) So what's going on?
0: I'm beat today. I was working on that rental property all day today, mm-hmm. painting.
1: Yeah, I feel yeah. It's been
0: painting the ceiling.
1: This this that's uh, the
0: worst of all of all the painting you can do. The ceiling is the worst.
1: Yeah, I would say so. I try to avoid that. I'm no but, I'm busy. You don't have those to tell days. Me, yeah, so.
0: you're magically busy.
1: Um. Yeah, it's been an interesting start to 2023. Feel very overwhelmed with all kinds of stuff, but we're here and. I wanted to talk about price reductions. Okay. So two things. I think I said last week that I would keep going with the over, uh, shift into Overthrive notes. And we will. And I've currently misplaced that book. <laughs> so we will get back to that. Okay. Because there was some good stuff in there. And I did want to just kind of keep recapping because I like to, whenever I go to a class or an event, I want to always implement one thing from it at a minimum sure and sometimes you'll do way more than that but if you just take one thing
0: maybe sometimes it'll uh if you're well then you're being uh what's the word i'm looking for you're you you, at that point you're being Productive. well specific like you like you're you're it's it's you're being purposeful
1: purposeful yes uh yeah well think about it like if you're gonna go spend four hours or five hours or whatever the mm-hmm. the time frame is for the event, you need to do something with that time.
0: Yeah. It's like um, looking back on college. I started college and I was 19 years old, um, way too young to be going to school, college, because I look back on it now and I'm like, all of those people that were older that were paying for college out of their own pocket and were there because they decided they wanted to go to school. Yeah. I guarantee you they got more out of college than I ever did. <sighs> you know, because you are I wasn't purposeful when I was there. I was just there. Yeah. And stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so well, and at even, this point if you're going to take a class.
1: Well, and even sometimes though, I will see pe- people will go to events like that because they're invited and the office is going and that kind of thing, and you yeah. you end up sitting there, and 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 you're all excited because you went to this event. But if you don't go back and do something to your business, and it, that's going to be impactful, then then really there was no point. Yeah. And so I'm always, well, I want to look through those notes, talk through those notes, and decide how am I going to use that in our business. So we went through some of it last week. We will get back to it next week. I just um I could not find the book for the life of me. Probably because I threw it in a drawer trying to clean up for somebody coming over here. As I do
0: Oh
1: yeah
0: It's in a closet I have I have um, a system Yeah She has a a system
1: (laughs) For when people come Mm -hmm. over My cleaning system Is to throw everything Into a drawer So I just have to figure out What drawer Did I put that book into Mm -hmm. Um, But today I wanted to talk about Price reductions Because This does tie into that Which was One of the things That they said Was that And I 100% agree And I was I was saying this Two months ago
0: Who's they? The people who didn't listen last week.
1: Um the the speakers at the event were uh, Mark King, who's the president of Keller Williams, and um something Voorhees. I can't remember. David. Jason Voorhees. <laughs> Jason Voorhees was there. Uh Dave, probably heard that his whole life. I know David Voorhees. Um, who is with the? He's a he's actually an agent as well. I think he has a team. Um, and he's also in the tech side of the business. So they were there to do the presentation, and one of the things they were talking about—I've been saying this for a while—so I'm just like them, <laughs> um, which is, you know, we're seeing price reductions, and so consumers tend to think that that means prices are dropping because that makes sense, right? Prices are mm-hmm. prices are dropping, but what's dropping are asking prices, right. not sales prices. So when we look back in a year and say did the prices go down we may say no we may say well no actually the prices went up five percent the asking prices were coming down because they were inflated the seller was looking um thinking they were going to price ahead of the market and then the market changed
0: Mm -hmm. or didn't go at the speed in which they thought it was going to
1: exactly so what we're we're having conversations with sellers now we're having we're still seeing some multiple offers around here and it definitely just depends on the the price range and the specific neighborhood and everything but you you have to have conversations whether it's at the beginning of the listing or after it's listed kind of trying to get them back to reality mm-hmm. so I wanted to talk about that because I think if you took a listing over the last month or so and it didn't sell right away that those are conversations that you're starting to have to have and, and
0: everyone's out of practice
1: and everyone's out of practice. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about that for a bit if you don't mind. Okay. Sorry. I know talking to the microphone. I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so if this is your first time listening, this is our podcast called Seeking the Best. I'm Catherine Stelgis. I own a small team here in the Orlando, Florida area. And across from me is my sound engineer producer extraordinaire, Patrick Fatica. Hello. And he's also my significant other, yes. and he does our, our video and pho- photography um, for our listings and graphic design for us. And he's really uh, a catch-all <laughs> for all things. Mm-hmm. He also cooks all my meals. <laughs> That's not true. I'm tired. <laughs> That's not true. I make my own breakfast and lunch. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> just so everybody's on the same page. Mm-hmm. I take care of myself until dinner time, and then I'm like, what's for dinner?
0: Unless it's the weekend.
1: Drizzle it on for me. <laughs> Um, why? Well, it's on the weekends? Well, on the we week- don't do anything on
0: the weekends. You're home, and you're like, "What's for lunch?" Mm.
1: I see what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, we do this podcast. It's called Seeking the Best, and really, we're just—I, I'm—I'm one of those people that, and Pat, Pat is as well, that I just always want to find new ways to do things, better ways to do things so streamline what is that what is that streamline streamline i thought you said extreme
0: (laughs) streamline streamline everything can be streamlined yes you can always polish polish it make it better always yeah there's always room for improvement
1: that that's how I've always looked at things. Um, and actually, when we do script practice, it's uh, you know, what did you do well, and what areas of opportunity are there? Because um, it's I know a that's fancy way of saying what you what you did bad, yeah, what you do <laughs> yeah, <would> you <laughs> wrong. Um, and well, but the the thing is though, it's is, as cliche as that is, there is always room for opportunity. Yeah, like I am not perfect every day. I'd be the first to admit that, and no one is. And so we're just, I'm just always thinking about that and saying, what else could we do? Should we change this, et cetera. So I wanted to talk about price drops because, and, and these conversations, because it has been a while. And so I want to talk through what I know mm-hmm. that works. And then maybe in that conversation, we'll think of new new things okay. as well. That's I don't know. Fine. Maybe All we right. won't. Maybe we'll just think about- It'll be a short, short podcast. <laughs> this is what so. you say. End of podcast. <laughs> No, um, so I think you have to go back to the listing presentation. so we're gonna we're gonna start there right
0: because and and I don't know exactly where you're going with this, but I'm going to take a guess if anybody out there is a regular listener, long time listener long-time first listener, time caller. I'm going to say Catherine is going to talk about setting expectations. yes, yes, right. One hundred
1: percent. Because I think in in our industry, and probably every industry, yes,
0: every industry, this what? is a part. This is the this is the the part that people don't do, and it's what leads to everybody being upset and angry at the process.
1: Yeah, people get upset about
0: because you didn't set expectations of what to expect and even or what w- they could expect.
1: And by the way, even when it's easier, you,
0: I know I keep interrupting. You do because it's, it's easier to not. Get into those things because you want the listing. Well, and. And because you don't <laughs> want <it. laughs> I'm just kidding.
1: Okay. My turn.
0: Yeah, I was just kidding. Um,
1: And when you're when you're at the listing appointment, not only do you want the listing. And so sometimes you can get excited when things are going your way. And they're like, you're like, oh, they're, they're signing. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to say anything to mess that up. Mm-hmm. Um, but also sometimes legitimately, I just run out of time. Mm-hmm. The listing appointment, I, my listing appointments used to take two hours. Yeah. Sometimes longer. Well, anyway. I would just stay there until we were done. Yeah. Like whenever it resolved itself, mm-hmm. I would leave. Yeah. And that's not a good way to run a business, by the way. So I started setting shorter and shorter time frames until I got to a point where I, I figured I can get in and out the door in 45 minutes.
0: Yeah. And when I, I said setting expectations, you're not setting every expectation or explaining the entire process during a during that when you're trying to get the listing
2: right
1: well you do want to set you want to set expectations on pricing then if you're taking the listing right right if you're signing the paperwork Mm -hmm. then you definitely do I think you can well we'll get into that um so when you well let me back up to what I was saying so I've shortened it to 45 minutes and here's the thing. I can't do everything usually in those 45 minutes. So I try to just make sure I get the most important stuff done, which would be expectation setting of the market that you're entering, figuring out a price that we can agree upon and showing them comps and stuff, and then setting a timeline to get things started. Because I don't know if it's just me, but they are never ready. Mm-hmm to list the next day. It's not like you sign the paperwork and you stick a sign in the yard. <laughs> that that has happened maybe like once in my career. Most of the time, there's lots of things to do to get ready. Mm-hmm. So we're setting a time frame so that I can get paperwork signed, get out the door, and then we can do everything else along the way. So there is expectation setting in that initial conversation. Because if you don't, here's here's an example. Let's say, I'm um, meeting with somebody, and we agree on a price of five fifty. And then we get to the next part, and they say, "Well, we've got probably about three months of work to do." Well, what's going to happen th- in three months?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The price is likely to be different. It could be better. It could be worse. You don't know because I'm not a, a predictor of the future. No mm-hmm. one is. And in three months, there will be three months of different comparables to look at. If I don't set that expectation right then, then in a a month or two months. I thought you said
0: 550.
1: When you check in. They are going to expect to list at five fifty, regardless of what you say. Then, because their expectation was in right. that moment, they, they so now, everything now they, think they it's did. A bait and
0: switch. You told us five fifty. Now you're saying it's five.
1: Well, and everything they did from that moment on to get the house ready for sale was based on this number in their head. Yeah. So you have to have those conversations right away.
0: And the amount of money they're spending to do those things versus what they expect their profit to be, yeah. and all of that stuff. So yeah. every time, all of a sudden, if it's five hundred you know they just lost, in their mind they just lost $50,000 even though they didn't the house wasn't even listed but in their mind they so now what happens when you you have to do a, a price reduction after you've listed the house yeah now they've lost for 25,000 now they've lost $75,000 in their mind yeah right
1: well and by the way you can well I was gonna say you can set expectations, and sometimes that still happens.
0: Yeah, well, like we say, we're trying to do, we're trying to cover eighty percent of yeah. our basis here.
1: Yeah. So in the listing consultation, when you're going over pricing, and and we have episodes about uh, listing consultations and how I I share comps with them, so um, definitely check one of those out. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm leading them to a number that, that I would feel comfortable with, but I, it's their decision. And I'm I'm just showing them the facts and, and making them um choose the price based on the comparables and asking them questions like- Then they're you...
0: invested in, in it because they chose it. Yeah. And it's not the realtor telling us that this is what she could sell the house for. Yeah. Right? Because now all of a sudden, then once again, it's like setting expectations. You don't want to be in that position of- you decide. You said we could get this for that, for the house, right? It's like you let them pick the number by showing them all of the facts and figures and comparables. Well, is your house nicer than this house, or was your house not as nice as this house? There, there's, is your kitchen as nice as this house, or not as nice? And let them say, no, it's not as nice as that house, or or whatever, until they and and then you start to figure out the right.
1: Let me ask. Let me let me tell you. It's not. Is this nicer or not nicer? Okay. Because well, people don't want to admit that their house is not as nice or whatever. Right. You, you ask you ask them, how do you think this compares? Right. Super open ended. You give oh, them the right. opportunity to say whatever comes to mind, um, and then sometimes they'll still admit, like, well, that one's probably that one's probably a little bit better because they have this or that. But you're not saying, what do you think? Is this one nicer? Right. When it's like obviously nicer. Yeah. Um, there is an agent, um, well, she actually is a, a maps coach and does um, some different courses. I think the mega listing agent class, she's one of the coaches for, and I think her name is um, Emily Baker. Yes, Emily Baker. I want to give her credit. There's a, a saying that she says in some of these classes that I've attended with her that says authorship is ownership. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if she made that up or somebody else did, but that always sticks in my head that. If they are the ones who are are saying it out loud, putting it on paper, like they're going to own that result. If you just come in and you tell them, uh, here's the number I think you should list at, then the, first of all, if they don't agree or some other agent told them a different number, you're already losing the listing appointment. You have to see where their minds at and then get them to come to your you know price range that you prefer yeah and if you can't then of course you have the option to not take the listing if you choose not to right but so in that conversation you're you're guiding them to the price range that you think is a fair price range and then you talk about strategic pricing and you come to an agreement on price and then you've really sort of set the tone that the next step of the listing is to get the paperwork signed And because great, we've got a price, we've got a time frame. Let's get this paperwork out. So it's like a natural closing if you can get them on board with price. So in that conversation, though, it it really makes sense to start letting them know right then. Great, that sounds like a perfect plan for right now to list the property at. I'm just making up numbers four ninety nine, and. (laughs) excuse me I'm sorry all All of a sudden had an itch in my throat (laughs) might have to pause um and and then let them know that here's the here's what happens when we list the property we're gonna find out right away what people think pricing a home is an art not a science and ultimately the decision on whether or not the price is right isn't up to me it's not up to you as the seller it's really up to the buyers who are currently shopping for a home and, and they view it, how they view it compared to other active competition. If they think this is the best value for the price for what they're getting, then they'll make an offer on your house. If they don't, then they'll skip it and they'll go to something else. And so we need to set up a timeline here with them that we'll know right away through feedback. And if we're getting feedback, if we're getting showings, but we're getting feedback that the price is too high, then we know the price is too high and we need to adjust. If we get 10 showings, and this is, these, this is the average. When are you having this conversation with them? At the listing appointment. Mm-hmm. If we get 10 showings, but no offers, then we know that we're probably overpriced. Because on average, in a normal market like this, there should be an offer for 10 people that see the house. And then if we're not getting any showings at all, that means that we're grossly overpriced, like we're way too far. And we need to make a major price drop. Mm-hmm. And you're setting the expectations with them about what kind of price drop you would need to make depending on the activity that they're seeing. So, and that, that those stats by the way are the National Association of Realtor stats. Mm-hmm. But I have found them to be true like 99% of the time. So I have a listing right now We've had 11 showings, and we had an offer. Now, that offer did not pan out, mm-hmm. but we had an offer.
0: Yeah, because there's no guarantee that the offer is going to pan out, but well, that's not what the That's not what the stats show.
1: say. It says that you'll get an offer right. for every 10 bodies that walk through the door. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't apply necessarily to open house people, because you can't be for sure that they're serious buyers. Yeah. We're talking about serious, people- pre-qualified buyers. For every 10, someone should be making an offer, or it's the price. Because you got 10 people through the door. Yeah. So the marketing's working. So you're setting the tone right there in the listing presentation that hey, I'm it's my job to let you know if things aren't selling, why that's happening.
0: Do you say anything like Let's use that 550 house, for example. Like you did your CMAs and kind of looked at the market and stuff before you ever went into the listing? Because you know where you want to kind of guide them to be. So if you guys have all agreed on price and you've kind of got them at that 550 mark, give or take, do you ever say, like, now I don't think that's going to happen with you guys because I think you guys are right on the money? Or do you just treat everybody the same and you know what I, you see what I'm mm-hmm. saying well, how, how does that work?
1: I, I wouldn't say um, everyone is the exact same because I'm trying to set expectations for what they're going to experience So it's not always
0: but using your experience knowing like oh this is this is a beautiful home, it's in the right neighborhood, it's in the right ballpark. they're gonna get offers like so getting into the idea of grossly overpriced, I don't even need to get into that part because that's not going to do you do that?
1: Yeah. Yes. Well, so if I think it's priced spot on to the point where we might actually get multiple offers, then I will, I will set, I'm not going to set the expectation that they're going to get multiple offers, uh-huh. but I will say, I be, like where we have this price strategically, we should sell and you should receive an offer. Mm hmm. Within this time frame, because you should be able to look at the numbers and see. So you're
0: letting you're letting your experience and where their ballpark price is at kind of dictate your script of where you're gonna go. So if the, you're if they say
1: yes, six, yes, I see what you're asking. So if let's say, right, I'm thinking five forty nine, mm-hmm. and I'm pointing them with comps. I'm I'm hoping that's where we end up. And we get to it, and, and they look at the comps and they say, "Well, that one, that one at five eighty five, it looks the most similar to our house." And then they want to list at five eighty five. I'm going to have the conversation with, "Great, I understand what you mean," and and it is the best comparable home to yours. And then I'll actually explain to them very briefly that the likelihood is if this is true, because you can find this these stats in MLS too. If, let's say the likelihood is that 95% likelihood that they're going to get a financed offer because out of 100 homes, 95 of them sold with financing. Mm-hmm. See what I mean? Yeah. In that area for that price range. Then I'm going to say, you know, I understand this is the best comparable home. So, I've, I, you know, if that's where you want to price, we can do that. And here's the only thing that we want to consider is that. It is, there's about a 95% chance that you will actually receive a an, an offer that is financed, meaning it's not cash. And that means that every buyer almost, right, 95% of them will need to get an appraisal in order to buy this home. And an appraiser needs three sales that have happened. So although I'm sure they will use this comparable, they're also going to use this one. And I'm going to go back to one that was like, you know, 540. Mm-hmm. They're also going to use this one. They're also going to use this one. And they could pull something else out too that is maybe even a little bit lower that has sold. But these, I think, would be the best comparables that they'll use. And they're going to weight those averages. And so it's very likely that it wouldn't appraise for 585. And so we just want to keep our eye on, on that. And if buyers perceive it to also be too high in this range that we're looking at, then we need to make an adjustment quickly so that you're not chasing the market. What's quickly mean? In two weeks, if we have not had any showings in two weeks or we've had 10 showings in two weeks, which for an average price point like that, you should, mm-hmm. if you're doing the right things um, and we haven't gotten an offer, then we need to adjust the price. If we go a week and we have all this activity and every single person says that the price is too high, then we need to adjust. Can you agree or do you agree?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And get them to agree up front that they understand that they're going on the high end of things and that they will likely have to do an adjustment. It's just a strategy, by the way. Like, we really don't always know 100%. Now, I could probably tell you a few times where I've guessed what a house would sell for, and I was exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> more than a few more, times. More, almost every
2: time, yeah. Um,
1: But it's, it's not a science. And so if somebody wants to price their house a little bit higher and negotiate, Instead of just pricing it at five fifty and getting two offers and choosing the best one, that's up to them to do,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and that's okay to explain it like that too. It's like th- that's just a strategy. Just know that because that's the highest sales price in the neighborhood, that it's likely that you're going to get a lower offer because they're going to also be looking at this right and this one.
0: So what it sounds like to me is a younger agent, a newer agent, probably is going to try to avoid this conversation because you're you want the listing so you don't want to start talking about lowering prices and you don't know how to because you haven't done it that many times to be able to do it and do it smoothly and succinctly to where the seller is going to understand what you're talking about so this is a this is a script and this is practice um can i say something yeah
1: you also you don't have to have it right that second you can go ahead and say, okay, great. So we agree that you'd like to price the home at five eighty five, dollars Okay, great. And then um, you're thinking you're going to be ready in two weeks. Okay, perfect. So we could launch the listing on, you know, March 1st, whatever. Great. Okay, let me go ahead and get the paperwork started and then start filling out the paperwork and then say to them during that time, like, okay, great. So we're we're going to launch in two weeks at this price, right? Before listing, I'm just going to look at the comparables one more time. We want to make sure that we get the momentum of a brand new listing at the right price. Because right now, as you saw, this would be the highest price home that's sold in this neighborhood. So I'm going to look at the prices again. We'll make sure we're 100% sure that this is the strategy you want to take. Sound good? Great. Okay. And then also in two weeks, if we don't have any offers at this price, I'm going to come to you and I'm going to let you know, here's how many showings we've had and we've had feedback about the price. And we don't have any offers and we've had way too many showings to not have an offer because there should be one showing or one offer for every 10 showings. And so I'm going to come to you and and suggest a price reduction because that's what the numbers suggest. Yeah. Sound okay.
0: Well, this is a good also what that sounds like to me also is, and I know that realtors hear this um, from sellers, which is, well, maybe you're just not doing your job in finding people to to come or marketing or or any of those things right so this by doing having these conversations now ahead of time you are diffusing all of those kind of ideas
1: so this is where i said sometimes you'll get to the point where you want to get a price reduction and they don't remember that conversation (laughs) You know, so you did all, all of the expectation setting, and 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 they they play dumb. Like I don't know what you're, you're talking about.
0: You're a good about. realtor. Make it happen. Go find me a buyer.
1: So this is what I always Jerk. Jerk off.
0: <laughs> I hate that.
1: Oh, those people. Um, this is where I always lean on facts. The National Association of Realtors says, based on all of the studies across the nation. That for every 10 showings, you should get an offer. And we've had 20 and we still don't have an offer. And then they might say, well, I guess we just need to find the right person. We need more people through the door.
0: We're just waiting for someone to fall in love with the place.
1: Yeah. Some people think that. Um,
0: We'll prey on it. There's a million things that they say.
1: That's where additional facts help out. Yeah. Do I have time to get into that or should we take a quick let's break? Let's take a quick break and then okay. we'll get into
0: that. Okay, let's All take right. a break.
1: The ThinkLiveB team is an Orlando based real estate team with Keller Williams Realty at the Parks. We operate as a boutique style company with the resources of the largest real estate company behind us. b is looking for talented people like you to join our team. If you happen to live in the Orlando area and you're a detail oriented quick learner, then we might have a place for you. Whether you're a real estate agent or administrative professional, we are looking for individuals who are ready to work hard and ready for success. If you're ready to join the team, visit us at thinklivebe.com. And hey, we're back. Okay. Okay. Can I tell you my secret weapon? Mm. Okay. It does cost money. Okay. But it's amazing. Okay. It's called Showing Time. <laughs> So, showing time—you've probably heard of it, and it. And most people think it's just a scheduling service for, um, like, like if you want to have sellers, like, listing appointment, or not. I'm sorry, not listing appointments. Like, if you want to have showing appointments with other agents scheduled without your phone ringing off the hook, use showing time, and they can put in, I want to, you know, show this property. Sunday at 2 p.m. in a calendar and it sends an alert to the seller and the seller says yes or no to the appointment. And then you don't have to be bothered Sunday morning calling the seller, waiting for the seller to call back, texting the agent, calling the agent, all that nonsense goes right out the window. Um and it's an amazing service. I know. I think it was owned by Zillow. It may have been sold. I'm not sure. Who cares? It's awesome. (laughs) I do believe in protecting my data and all that stuff, but like it is truly one of the business-changing services that I use mm-hmm. because do you know how many hours were spent when first me, then my assistants, just scheduling showings. Yeah, and I'm talking before pandemic times, and it got even crazier then. But we already use showing times, sh- showing time. Um, but it does more than just that. Like that's, that's the cool part that like everybody should use, but there's an additional service that you can pay for called, um, that where you can pull reports. Mm -hmm. And the one report that I use all the time is called the pricing benchmark report. And it's not perfect by any means. Like I could definitely, I could find, I could seek my, seek their best and, uh, make some changes, but it is pretty amazing. And let me tell you what it does. I should be sponsored by showing (laughs) time. I know. Um, we really should start selling, <laughs> selling ads or something. Um, so essentially, what the pricing benchmark report does is it it allows you to choose an area, and sometimes that's the part that I don't like is maybe the area is like a zip code, and the zip code is going to include everything well, properties that maybe aren't a great right. match for this. But you can fine tune the the criteria, and so let's so you,
0: what you would do is have it so that you could draw a map draw, mm-hmm. color in a, a map or something.
1: Yeah, I would have it show a map or specific neighborhoods or something. Um, But what it does is, so you can put in some other criteria, like I want to look for homes in this zip code or this city that are at least four bedrooms and somewhere between, you know, 400 and 500,000 because maybe your listing is priced at 459. And it will pull the showing activity for those listings. Mm -hmm. It does other things. The report has a bunch of other stuff in it. But my favorite part is the showing activity. Because here's what happens. Mm, 10 times out of 10, our listings have had more showings than the active competition that it's comparing us to. Why is that? Because we're awesome. (laughs) But, but, But truly, like, so I when somebody says, well, you know, what about putting it in the newspaper or well, what have you been doing to market the listing or any of those things you, right. can, you say, can say?
0: Yeah, you can say these are the these are the number of people that have seen your house and then the other houses in your area that are the same. This is the number of people that have seen those houses. And when they see that the people that the number of people that have seen their house is higher or the same as the others there's no
1: well here's way my to go right there's there's three things on this one page that I love one shows so let's say my listing's been on the market um, uh, 20 days mm-hmm. it's gonna show me the activity for the first week compared to pending and sold listings so let's say my, my listing in had the same
0: price range and the same, zip
1: code, whatever criteria whatever, I put in, whatever you put in. Okay. Mm-hmm. and I'm going to put in criteria that matches the house. Sure. So I want to look at what, what are other active listings getting that are comparable. So it's going to show me. So let's say my listing in the first week got five showings and the active competition in the first week got three showings. Well, that means I got more showing activity in the first week than all of the other active listings that match this criteria then it's going to show me where we are today so let's say if the listing was active for 20 days and we've had 12 showings then it's going to show what other comparable listings have at the same time frame Mm -hmm. so mine says 20 or i'm sorry 12 in 20 days the other one says eight well i have that many more showings.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know. I yeah, it makes perfect sense. Then you've got you've got t-
1: facts, facts, and then one more thing that it shows. It shows how many total showings for the sold properties, meaning what was the average number of showings it mm-hmm. took for a property to sell mm-hmm. of a similar size in the similar area, right. similar price range. So it says eighteen. So if it says twenty. Then I can say, we've had 12. Guys, we've had 12, mm-hmm. and the average number of showings to get to an offer is actually in your area, not 10, it's 20. Mm-hmm. Because markets are different, right? So when we were talking earlier about expectations with different people, these are the data and facts that you should be pro- providing to people. But you can only have access to this once it's listed. So you you right. have to use the National Association of Realtor stats as well, a.
0: How else would you be able to do the comparables? Right. No, <laughs> you wouldn't. There's no way yeah. to compare it to anything if it's not listed yet.
1: So, one other thing is, I like I like to send our sellers the stats for the listing views um, of of li- of similar listings, and you can find that on Zillow or Realtor.com in your um, agent profile, like it'll show you your listing and the stats for your listing and it will show how it compares Mm -hmm. to the competition. And I like to show that because nine times, 10 times out of 10, it's more views too. And those are the kind of things that you can go to the seller and say, Hey, we've had more views, more traffic has gone to your listing than all of these comparables. We've had more people through the door than all of these comparables. And what we've heard is they love the house. They don't like this or this or the price is too high or whatever the feedback is. And the only way to compensate when you've had this many people through and still no offers, the only way to compensate is you can't, you know, you can't get a bigger lot. Like if that's the feedback we're getting, you can't make your lot bigger. All you can do is adjust the price to yeah. make it a better value in the mind of the consumer. Hmm. And here's the thing. We've had, and then this is where you go back to facts. So we've had 12 showings. And and let's say the average was, um, let's say the average to contract or offer sold for the sold ones was 10. And we've had 12 showings. Well, and all the feedback has been it's priced too high. Well, we probably need to make a pretty substantial price adjustment at this point because we're past the average point.
0: Mm-hmm. And the newness of the listing is worn off.
1: And everybody's told us they think the price is too high. Yeah. They're telling us that, which means that's just the fact that the price is too high. Mm-hmm. So we're probably going to need to make like a 5 to 10% reduction depending on what the sales price is. If we've had 10 showings and people seem on the fence like they think it's priced pretty well but they're just not quite ready to make the offer then we maybe just need to make a moderate price adjustment just something to get people off the fence so maybe that's just a like a five or ten thousand dollars that's not going to that's not going to get new people through the door it's going
0: to get other people
1: to come back it's going to get somebody to jump off the fence so it depends on what is going on with the listing you have to You have to really look at all of the facts and figures to be able to give them that advice. Mm -hmm. So well, it
0: makes it really simple, too, because they don't they don't have any idea of those percentages or numbers or any of those things. They don't want to think it's the price because that's money out of their pocket. So they're going to look to anything. So when you're troubleshooting like this, which is what you're doing, you're as the agent, you're troubleshooting, knowing full well that it's the price, but you're using all of this data to back up why it's the price so that they can come to their own conclusion that that's what it is because they can't make the lot bigger, right? They can't do any of those things. So there is only one thing to do to fix the trouble, to fix the problem, right? And and by giving them all of the facts and showing them the stats and the averages of everything, and there is nowhere, they can't blame you, they can't say, well, you're not doing your job in getting people to come out. You're not doing your job in 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 marketing. You're not doing your job in the showings. You're not doing your job in the, the, the w- advertising or whatever, right? It's like you're cutting all of that out of their um, looking for something to blame. And the only thing that is left at the end of the day is the price. And if you set your expectations from the beginning when you had your listing appointment, and then you have to bring these facts out later, it should make the blow pretty easy and you should be able to get what you want.
1: Well, so if you had in the a couple things. So if you had in the initial listing conversation, you had said, okay, great. So we're listing at five eighty five and you're right. This is definitely the best comparable. So we we're gonna essentially we're gonna test the market. We're going to mm-hmm. see what buyers think because they are savvy. They have access to photos from sold listings. They're they're going to look at all these sales and they're going to determine what they think the value is. And they'll make an offer if they think it's a reasonable price, mm-hmm. right? So we're going to see what they say. And so if in two weeks, I'm like going back to this, if in two weeks we don't have an offer and we've had at least 10 showings, then I'm going to come back to you and I'm going to talk to you about the price because that will suggest that it's actually a pricing concern. Or if we get a bunch of feedback that the price is too high, I'm gonna be filling you in along the way and letting you know that that's the case. And then we'll need to adjust. And we'll need to adjust based on what that feedback and the number of showings are. So it could be anywhere from down, like 575. Maybe that's all we have to do. But it may very well be all the way down to 549, which is where this average range is. So how would that work out for you if in a couple of weeks we had to actually reduce the price to 549? Oh, well then I wouldn't want to sell. Well then that's a problem, right? I'm just talking out loud. So you kind of need, you need to set the expectations so you understand if they're realistic about what's maybe necessary.
0: Right. What their window is. What's
1: their window. That's a good way to put it because everyone should have some flexibility It is an asking price. It's not a like the price changes every day. It just it's like sometimes I'm not even sure um, (laughs) that was going to sound like I don't know what I'm doing. But like I could list a house today. And, you know, a month ago, that price made 100 percent sense. Mm. But maybe I don't know that in the last month, all of the buyers in that area have stopped looking for houses for whatever reason. And I don't know that until I put the house on the market, and then people start to not show up for the showings that you think you're going to get. And so sometimes I'll pull the pricing benchmark report, and this is something that's happening right now, because we're in a market that isn't, the prices aren't declining, like we talked about. It's not that the prices are declining, but there are less buyers. Mm -hmm. So I will look at some of these pricing benchmark reports, and it will say, um, number of showings before contract for the solds, it'll say like eight, but we're at like 20 showings. Well, what does that tell you? <laughs> it's not rhetorical.
0: Oh, you're asking me? Yeah. It tells me that you're priced too high.
1: Well, it's either, the, it's the it's the market that you're in has changed.
0: Oh, well, yeah. I just thought that was a pretty vast difference, but I mean, it would train drastically.
1: Well, so hold on, though. Let me, let me let me twenty. Well, maybe my numbers were a little bit wide, but let's say the average. Since she said twelve. The average, you know, three months ago, which is when it's pooling these sales. You know, it's looking like right. six months back. Right, right, right. Um, the average is eight.
0: Yeah, yeah. Then the uh, the other other option that it is is that there aren't as there's not as many buyers, which also means there's not as much competition, which also means that it could be priced too high.
1: It always can be the price. And yeah. nine times out of 10, it is the price. Yeah. But there are times legitimately where the price is fine. Yeah. It's that it just takes more people right. to get the and same we're saying offer. average,
0: too. Average doesn't mean, well, the average is eight, so, and we're at eight, so there it is. It could be 12, right? Because other people listed it and it was three. We're talking about averages. They're not, it's not exact numbers. Well, so and 12, you have
1: to, I don't want to get really in the weeds on it, but I will. We are
0: already. So, are we? A little bit. Yeah. You're, Lots you're, of numbers. My eyes are rolling.
1: Oh, no. Head. I'm sorry, guys. I'm a numbers person. Okay. I will, I will get off the numbers then. The point is that facts and figures don't lie. You can't. I'm not saying you can't dispute facts and figures because I think we all know that people have their own set of yeah. facts and alternative they, facts and figures yeah. that they can throw and say, but what about this? Yeah. So, the, But the point is that it's easier conversations and you don't have to feel like emotional or scared to have them if you set the expectations from the beginning that you're going to if it doesn't sell I'm going to come to you in two weeks Mm -hmm. and I'm going to talk to you about the price. And depending on how many showings and what's the feedback, we may have to make an adjustment. Sound good? If you have that conversation, then that two-week mark... I've had sellers before... Say, hey, we're
0: at two weeks. Like, literally, they come
1: to me first, which I don't like. You know, I like being... I hate when...
0: Oh, she dropped her microphone, everybody, because she's been messing with it.
1: Sorry, I like to mess around with things. Um, I hate when when people come to me and ask a question when I'm like literally about to message them. Uh-huh. I'm like, ah, they got to me first. I like to be proactive about things.
0: But yeah, but if you have your clients coming to you and saying, "Hey, we're at the two week. I think we need to." Yeah. I mean that's a that's a that's Oh, that
1: then you know you did something right. Yeah. Like you're like, oh, that that's that might they be
0: connected and they they see how it works. They see how this works.
1: You know what? This is really off topic, but sort of on topic. Um uh, my office is situated next to the recording studio mm-hmm. in our in our Keller Williams office, and I could hear the person recording today, and she was saying, My proudest accomplishment, <laughs> and she said it like she recorded it a few times because she was trying to get it right. And I could hear and I was thinking, what's my proudest accomplishment? And I was having a really hard time. But now as we're talking, I'm like, I think one of like my proudest accomplishments is when people come to me and say, hey, I think we need to do a price reduction because you said if we didn't have an offer by now.
0: It means they were listening. They were listening. And your script or however you were explaining it made enough sense that we're not only were they listening, but. They understood what you were saying, and they internalized it, and they're using it as a guide, right?
1: Yeah, they they, every day they were thinking about what I said and what they needed to do to get their house sold, which a lot of times I feel like nobody is listening at all. (laughs) Because
0: they're not. That's why. That's why you feel that
1: way, because they're not. I guess that's probably true. But anyways, setting expectations early that pricing is one of the biggest factors. You have to remember, and I'm saying all of this out loud to remind myself too. Um, you have to remember that there, there are four things with marketing. Mm-hmm. Whenever you're marketing any product and it starts with price, price. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I think it starts with product. Product, price, promotion, place. Those are the things that create a marketing strategy. Price is the, one of the biggest factors Do you buy $40 toothpaste? Of course not. Because that would be insane. That's too much for a tube of toothpaste. Mm -hmm. You have to think about like, it's not just what the comps are. It's like you're creating a marketing strategy every time you take a listing. And the sellers really need to understand that too. I used to do, remember how I did like a whole marketing plan? Mm -hmm. It took up too much time. Yeah. But these are the kind of facts that I would put into the because marketing plan. Because there's no plan. reason
0: to explain all of the stuff ahead of time, this big marketing plan on why and stuff, because you figured out how to streamline it by giving them little bits of facts Yeah, because they don't,
1: because they won't read it all. They won't, yeah.
0: No, none of it will connect and the, and it'll be too much information. So you give them those CMAs at the beginning, let them come up with the price on their own in quotes, right? And then, as you move on, and the house is listed, then you pull the facts from showing time. You give them those, right? If if the, if you have if you have to go in for a price reduction, but you don't start at the beginning and then give them, um, this is the marketing plan and what we're going to do. And this is if this happens, then we'll do this. And then this is what we can expect from that. And too much, yeah, all too much.
1: Yeah, they don't. I mean, think about it like this, like. It's our job to do all of this stuff and so sometimes we get really excited and we want to explain it all mm, and we want yeah. to put together all of these packets of information and, and and we have it. But I most of the time, the, the people who are high C's, which is on the DISC personality profile, cautious, careful, they're going to read all of that. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is not. Their personality type is just the type of person that's like, I, I want to make a decision right now. I don't need to read all this crap.
0: Well, remember when I made those really cool cards. I I made these cards, it was probably like five years ago, and they were these fold outs. It folded out like into five big, long, into a really long sheet. And they were all, it was really nice like cardstock, and uh, they, they were beautiful. Front and back. And each section of the card was a different color variation. And it kind of... It was for sellers there was one for sellers and there was one for buyers and it basically just explained the process in order in which you do things but it was designed in a really cool way where stuff was written sideways and all if this. I don't say so if I myself. don't say so myself <laughs> I spent a really long time on it it looked really really cool and professional and uh-huh. and neat and I'd never seen anything like it in this kind of world before it was it was very uh uh designy yeah you know and uh I can guarantee you that none of those people read those things.
1: Oh, no. And then that we stopped using we them just, because yeah. we realized that people, people don't, weren't looking at them. And we still give out seller guides and all that stuff, but people don't read any no, of that.
0: No, I can tell you, I know people don't read it because we it, we have a website set up for them to, um, for sellers when they're ready for photos to schedule their own photos And in order to schedule your own photos, to get to the calendar where you schedule, you have to go through the first page. And on the first page of the website is all the stuff that you're saying you did before the photos. Replacing light bulbs, making sure all your lights are working, uh, putting all your laundry away, you know, all the uh, cleaning off the bathroom counter and stuff. And I know people don't read it because I go to the houses and none of that stuff is done. Yeah. That's how I know. I know. One out of ten. One out of 10 are they, are they doing it? And those are probably the high C's who are also, you know, those are also the houses where it's like, I go in, I take the photos, there's an offer, the house sells, we move on with our day, right? Those are the ones that are the easy ones.
1: Yeah. No, you're, you're 100% right. But I also think like the whole concept of this podcast is, is seeking our best. And a lot of that has to do with consumer facing stuff. Like how do you make things easier for the client? Yeah, that is where most of my mind energy goes. Mm It's like, how do I make things easier for the client or us?
0: Well, that's what I was going to say is because when you make things easier for them. They move faster and more deliberate and they make the decisions that you want them to make because you want them to sell their house or to buy that their house or whatever side you're on and stuff in which in turn makes your job and your life easier Mm -hmm. because you're not. Look, if they don't. There's no offer. I got to still call this person on Friday and explain to them why there's no offer, and all of the and all of the things that you got to do over and over and over again. Or and if it's a buyer, now I got to go show these people houses this weekend again.
1: Can I? Can I tell you something? We we kind of skimmed past it earlier, but you talked about um, newer agents might feel like avoiding something, like avoiding that step of having that conversation. Mm-hmm. I think that is 90% of the issue in this industry is avoidance of difficult conversations. Oh, yeah. And don't get me wrong. I don't want to call someone and tell them that I know you thought you were going to make, you know, this price, but you're going to make 50000 less. I don't want to have to do that. But if I know that I set the expectation that this is not like some sort of exact science where you come in and say here's what I want and then some buyer says okay I'll take it in most markets it's a negotiation it's a back and forth and it doesn't always work out exactly the way you want it to um that's most real estate markets that's most everything by the way (laughs) just life lessons um yeah
0: if you have you have to have those conversations ahead of time
1: if you do then when you have to make the call, even if they don't remember, you still feel better about yeah. it.
0: Yeah, I, Well, I told them that this was this could happen. Yeah,
1: at least you can you can think to yourself, they don't seem to remember that ten yeah. minute conversation, and, and, and yet it happened. Those,
0: and if you have those facts with you from the from the that first conversation through showing time uh, data and everything, you have the facts to back you up. I'm just showing you what the numbers say. It's your house. You can either sell it or not sell it. I don't care. Well, but that's the thing that when
1: I said that not everything is a pricing issue. A lot of times it is. Yeah. But your job is to really look at all of that stuff and then determine how best to help them. And sometimes, sometimes the answer is just...
0: Because they might say, should we lower the price? And you look at the numbers and go, no, you shouldn't lower the price. We've only had six showings and and the average is
1: eight. Yeah. Or whatever,
0: right? It's like, no, we don't. No, don't lower the price.
1: So... Now um, it's not the time. I have a listing that will will end up selling for quite a bit less than what we listed it for because in that price range things are really have taken it's a, a it's different. A, it's a it's
0: a higher price range. Yeah,
1: it's a it's a different market, and it's definitely I can see that things have moved in a different direction than say our average price point. But you know there was um there was an an opportunity to take an offer that was significantly less. And I really felt that that was too low. Mm-hmm. And the seller, it's their decision. And so I kept, you kind of have to stress that because I never want somebody to end up selling for even less than that low offer. Right? <laughs> you know, you have to like make sure that they understand that, again, this isn't an exact science. I can't guarantee anything especially in a changing market like this.
0: I'm a really good guide up the dangerous mountain. Yeah. I'm not guaranteeing your safety. Well, yeah. But but if anybody's going to get you up that mountain without getting killed, it's going to be me.
1: Yeah. But (laughs) yet still people die on Mount Everest and they had a guide that led them. Yeah. Yeah. maybe i don't know i don't know anything about mountain climbing
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true
1: <laughs> but uh,
0: you know about driving and looking at mountains i love from, mountains from a car a nice warm car i right? love
1: mountains but yeah i've never hiked up a very 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 tall one um or any for that <laughs> um point is yes you have to make sure they understand there's never any guarantee this is like real estate is an investment it's like i don't know every time i deposit a uh, IRA deposit. I don't know if that money is going to still be there tomorrow or if it's going to be eaten up by some market drop. Mm-hmm. It's an investment and there is risk with that. And so we're we're basing this off of the numbers that we have today which are numbers that sold a month ago or 2 months ago or 3 months ago. So you're always a little bit behind and if you're in a market that's shifting and when I say market I mean specific local market because everything is so hyper local then you just you have to really analyze that data and so I was able to tell this this particular seller like that I didn't think that he needed to go that low and he could have but we ended up selling the place for I think I think he'll end up making 20 000 to 25,000 more which is a lot of money mm-hmm. and it only took a couple extra weeks, so it's not like
2: right. Like the
1: cost to hold it is worth that extra money. Yeah. Yeah. and and so, but was I one hundred percent certain that that was going to be that way? No, no. But I but I looked at the pricing benchmark report, mm-hmm. the showing feedback, and the activity that th-
0: we're telling you,
1: the activity that we had had over the recent weekend was like we had like a big pop, mm-hmm. and everybody was calling me, and. That led me to have enough confidence to say, "Listen, you can you can obviously do whatever you want to do as a seller. Like it's it, it's up to you because people have different motivation. Like sometimes it's not money. Yeah. Sometimes it's just I just want to be done with it. Yeah. And so it's totally up to you. But based on the activity that we just had, I think that you can wait and we will make more money in the long run. And I was right. Mm. But I didn't just randomly say that. I looked at or every using your gut." Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. I don't trust that thing.
2: No, that
0: thing's always wrong.
1: (laughs) That thing's just hungry all the time. (laughs) So I I look at data and facts, and it allows you to take the emotion out of it. And for most sellers, I feel like it helps for them too as well. Mm -hmm. Not all of them. Like some of them will still be emotional about it. But if you're using here, look, I didn't come up with these numbers. This is a report that I used based on some other company software that told me that we're doing better than the average and we still don't have an offer. And the only reason that that would be is price. Mm -hmm. That's what I got to say about that.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, the question you are about to hear is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent.
2: Questions from the
0: Question from the web. So I just I over the last six months I got my real estate license and now I'm a realtor. Currently I make money from my blog and some Uber slash DoorDash on the side. So I have a complete I have complete flexibility when I work. The problem is I only have three thousand dollars saved up right now. Would it be a terrible idea to just borrow three to five thousand more to pay for my license and get or to pay for for to pay to get started? The only debt I have is 5000 left on my car loan. Oh
1: wait, why would it be 3 or 5000 to get started?
0: I don't um I think it was like to pay for like her license and like e-keys and like just to get started, like business cards and all the stuff to I get started. D- I
1: don't think it's that much to get started. Um even, and, and you don't need business cards. And to be honest with you, you don't need an e key right away mm-hmm. until so you they, get something. Somebody... So they have,
0: well, I mean, 3000 saved up right now. Would it be terrible just to borrow three to five more to pay for real estate stuff? I would be more concerned about your runway.
1: Let me say that. Okay. Yes. I'll get there in a second. Okay. Here's how I feel about credit cards I hate them.
0: <sighs> she hates them.
1: I hate credit cards and and for for a long time um we have been credit card debt free mm-hmm. and we only have mortgages we don't have car loans and I like it that way yeah it gives you the most freedom and flexibility possible um so I don't like borrowing however I have bet on myself cuz that's essentially what that is I have I have borrowed and used credit cards in the past because I knew that I will work my butt off and I will pay that back. And so if if that's you, then sometimes I think it's okay to go for it. But just know that what I mean by work your butt off is like, you're going to give it a couple years <laughs> to work out, not three months and say, well, that didn't work. Yeah. And now I'm in debt. That's not enough time, especially as a single agent, to to get a pipeline going and have income streaming in where you can pay yourself back and pay your bills. And what Pat was just saying was your pipeline, runway, runway. Sorry, it's the same thing. Um, is you need to have money saved. What did she say? She had any savings? Or that's what she three thousand. That's what she's going to she use. She has three. No, 000, she's going to borrow. She
0: wanted to borrow another three to five.
1: That, I feel like, is risky. I don't know how much her bills are, but let's say they're... Um,
0: well, you've got rent or something, so you're paying, let's say, 1500 bucks in
1: rent. Well, but she did bills. say she had two other jobs. That, yeah. yeah. Now, that so her what, her what I would say, do, do those jobs, pay your bills 100%, mm-hmm. and give you the flexibility to work Nine to five and showings in the evenings and and work on real estate, like it's a job right. and and then still do not, that other stuff right. part- time yeah. to pay the bills. That's
0: the thing is like, and this is a, a common thing that a lot of people have, and I'm one of them, which is I have a bunch of side hustles, right? Where I do a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and I make some money here and I make some money there and stuff. If you want to be a successful real estate agent, you want to do it the right way. It's not a side hustle; it's a full-time career. Those other things are side hustles. So you don't bend the real estate career because you have to make write a blog post or you have to uh, go deliver for Uber. It's the other way around. You have to you have to come to terms with it being the other way around. Everything else bends to the real estate career because the goal is to get not worry about uber now the blog i'm sure is fine and stuff so don't stop doing that because that's your content creator and that's always a good thing but wouldn't it be nice to use that as mad money and not have to depend on it well right? so, so use your your everything else as a side hustle real estate's your career
1: yeah so when i if you've listened to this podcast before you know that when i first got my real estate license I was still in school. And so I was in school and I had a job and technically I had two jobs. Um, They happened to be owned by the same people, but I worked during Mm, the day, I worked like lunch shifts at this as a server. And then I worked um, one bartending shift and two beer tub girl shifts on the week, one Tuesday and two on the weekend. Those, the lunch, I quit when I got my license. Yeah. I, I went to the people who owned the place and I said I'm getting my real estate license and I can't work next door because I need to be in real estate and I need to be able to have time to do real estate and by the way I'm still in school and um and I still worked my bartending and beer tub girl shift and then eventually I was a bartender on the weekends too while I was getting started in real estate because it Did not legitimately, other than just being tired maybe the next day, and I don't even think I was because I was in my 20s. um, uh, I worked three days a week minimum, sometimes more. Three nights a week. Three nights a week, yeah, three nights a week bartending. Until
0: four in the morning.
1: While I was doing real estate. But it never interfered with doing stuff during the day. Yeah. And so I was able to do that. Mm -hmm. And I was very fortunate that I had that backup like side hustle, so to speak, but I also did. And I actually, I forgot about this until we're talking about it. I I quit the daytime job because Mm -hmm. I could tell like I can't do that and make this a career. So you, you have to make some decisions when, when you're thinking about this. I would
0: recommend, and I don't know, you know, it's like that we're not um, money managers or anything, but I would recommend try to get your bills and your day-to-day living down to where it can, 100% be covered by these other side hustles before you start in real estate and then look at your calendar and what that is and is there any way to get your days clear? One weekend day and then every day from morning to six o'clock. Is there a way to do that? Um, And if you can't do that, then what can you cut out of your life to in order that so that you can do that. Yeah, because, because
1: otherwise $3,000 will be gone. Be That'll gone be gone in 2 seconds. And then you'll be $3 to $5,000 in debt, it sounds like, yeah. and out of money and, and
0: and nothing. And
1: and you'll and you won't yeah. be able to have a career in real estate because of all of that. Yeah. So you really do like Real estate is one of those things where you don't need really any money. I don't know what this three dollars to $5,000 is, so probably you don't need to spend that much either. But you really don't need that much money to get started, but what you need is savings mm-hmm. because there will be a time period where you need all the time to get things going, which means you don't have time to work on anything else, but you still need money to pay your bills. Yeah, because
0: there's no money. It takes three months. It'll take you three to six months before you have your first sale. What are you going to do?
1: Yeah. Depend. Yeah. Small win. Small win.
0: Small win. Small win. Kat, what's your small win this week?
1: My small win is that we have a tenant selected for our downstairs unit on the newest rental property. Yeah. That's pretty exciting.
0: Yeah. So what we, Finally, did, yeah, what we did, did was forever. we've learned over the the years of doing this is I do not go and open doors because that's not what we do. And I've learned that from Catherine and real estate. You just don't go open doors for people randomly. Yeah. I that's- don't know if
1: you're qualified.
0: So what we do is, um, open houses and I do two open houses on the weekend, the first weekend. And in order for you to, um, apply and for your application to be taken seriously you have to attend one of the open houses and that cuts down on the people who aren't really that interested and doesn't waste my time so um yeah we did that this weekend we did both open houses listen cat came with me we listened to the beatles she actually did the open houses i worked on the upstairs apartment and um by the end of the weekend we had somebody selected so
1: and i have to say that I haven't done an open house in a, a little a little while. Yeah. I, I did one not that long ago, actually, but it rained. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't have a ton of interaction. And I was like, I still got it. Yep. <laughs> got every single person's phone number, name, email mm-hmm. address for a rental property. Yeah. That I'm never going to email you about. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, I, we picked our person. Still got it. Yep.
2: <laughs>
0: and what's my small win? I don't is know. I've my small win Same is, thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, th- it's... I'll feel better once that person moves in, and um, then I'm done with that one, and I can really—I don't have to think about. oh, I still need to do that one thing in there, the, the those tiny little details. It's all been done, so now I can just work on the next apartment. Yep, which is getting
2: better. So. Mm-hmm.
0: Hey, guys, remember to re- rate and review us on iTunes. It really helps new listeners to find us. Send your questions from the web to onseekingthebest at gmail.com. All info is in the show notes, including how to send us a voicemail. And for Kat and myself, thanks for listening, and we'll figure this all out next week. Bye. This has been a Think Live Be production.